Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. Here we are only a couple of weeks into the new year, and we've already got too many tech developments to cover in just one episode of the Electronic Cottage. Even in the midst of COVID and the accompanying supply chain and economic slowdowns, even in the wake of canceled or curtailed computer trade shows, even with many people having to work from home, our digital world continues to develop a pace with matters that sometimes do not find their way into everyday headlines. Let's get to a few of those right now. In this COVID time of working from home or going to school from home, broadband access has become even more of a necessity. COVID has also brought a flood of home sales as people who can work from home decide that rural areas might be safer places to live. The problem, of course, is that rural areas often do not have very good broadband internet access at all, or maybe any access at all. A home buyer could, of course, ask the seller if there is broadband access in the area, especially if the seller hasn't signed up for such access. Sellers might honestly say they don't know, or cross their fingers behind their backs and say, oh, sure, it's available. Or a buyer might ask the FCC for a copy of the coverage maps that internet service providers have to provide to the FCC, which often should be found on the fiction shelves in the local library. Well, Washington State has decided that broadband access is important for home buyers to know about, just as important as whether the electrical wiring is sound or whether the well water is safe to drink. So, Washington State passed an Internet Service Residential Property Sellers Disclosure Statement Law. Along with requiring sellers to list known defects in a property, there will be a new question on the seller's disclosure form which asks, quote, does the property currently have Internet service? End quote. And there's a space below to indicate the name of the Internet Service Provider. This sure is an indication that at least one state considers access to internet service a key component of assessing a property's suitability for sale. There's no such law in Maine, at least not yet. Meanwhile, there are a couple of types of digital tools that most of us use every day. Antivirus software, we're talking about the computer kind, not the COVID kind in this particular case, and printer ink cartridges. First, printer ink cartridges. Many listeners may have considered using third-party ink cartridges in their printers when the original manufacturer's ink cartridges run out. Printer manufacturers, as Ars Technica points out, are eager for us to purchase their own brand of replacement ink cartridges, which are almost always considerably more expensive than third-party replacement brands. Some manufacturers, like Lexmark, HP, Brother, and Canon, put semiconductor chips in their ink cartridges, which tell the printer that it's okay to use the ink in those cartridges. Canon, as well as some other companies, tells consumers that replacement ink cartridges without the proper chips might not work in their printers. And at least some of the time, that's true. But Canon has a problem in these times of semiconductor chip shortages the company can't get enough chips to put in its own ink cartridges. Yipes. So are Canon printer users out of luck trying to get ink cartridges to work in their machines? Um, Well, actually, no. It seems that, in Germany at least, 
Canon is telling big customers that, quote, due to the worldwide continuing shortage of semiconductor components, Canon is currently facing challenges in procuring certain electronic components that are used in our consumables for our multifunction printers. In order to ensure a continuous and reliable supply of consumables, we've decided to supply consumables without a semiconductor component until the normal supply takes place again." End quote. Wait, does that mean ink cartridges won't work? Um, well, once again, no. Canon goes on to tell users how to circumvent the apparent inability of the printer to use such ink cartridges and to do so with a single click. So what happens if there are no chips in the ink cartridge? Something terrible? Um, well, again, not very at all. In Canon's words, quote, although there are no negative effects on print quality when consumables are used without electronic components, certain additional functions, such as the detection of the toner level, may be impaired, end quote. Let's see if we got this right. The ink that major printer makers like Canon put in their ink cartridges can actually work fine without the chips, but can't do things like tell the user how much ink is left in the cartridge. Hmm. Well, that might be a good thing to remember when it's time to reorder replacement ink cartridges. On to computer antivirus software. Although it may not be obvious to end users, there's been quite a lot of consolidation in the antivirus software industry. Microsoft, for example, bought antivirus companies GCAD and Giant and rolled their capabilities into Windows' own antivirus software. Among so-called independent vendors, Avira, Norton 360, Avast, and AVG are now all owned by Norton LifeLock, based in Arizona. And, for better or worse, two of those brands, so far, have added a capability that all users might not love, assuming that they even know about it. Avira and Norton 360 both have the capability of using your machine to help, yes, mine cryptocurrency. In this case, the cryptocurrency Arethium. The idea is that while a user's machine is sitting around not doing much, it can be making money for the user and for the antivirus company by quote-unquote mining cryptocurrency. If you don't know what that is, or even if you do know what it is, it's probably a good idea to stay away from it. In theory, this capability within the antivirus software programs is opt-in. In other words, the user needs to turn it on for it to work. But even if a user reads all the fine print, the odds that users will ever see any actual money from allowing their machines to be used for cryptocurrency mining are really, really small. We'll put a link to Brian Krebs' comments on the topic on the page for today's program in the Public Affairs Archive at www.weru.org. Bottom line, unless you're a lot more sophisticated about cryptocurrency than we are here, it would be a good idea to let your antivirus software do what it was designed to do, and not to opt into cryptocurrency mining. These are only a few of the things that have happened in our digital world since the new year began. There are lots more. 
and we'll do our best to get to the most important ones right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage. <laughs>